Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing again our teaching on such a great salvation, and we will be zeroing in again on prosperity. And I'll talk all about that again in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings we are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you, excuse me, for all those who have partners with us with their finances and contributions. And in case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website again at lighthouseinception.org. In the top right corner it says give, it's highlighted in blue, there's a blue button. And click that and you can give from anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make those checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom footer of every page on the website is our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, your tax contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. All right, without further ado, let me go ahead and get into our message this morning. I'm excited about what I'm going to be talking about this morning, but let me do my normal uh, introduction and recap. We've been talking on this subject for almost an entire year. I think we are on week 34. I might have my numbers wrong there, but that's not important. What's important is... We have a lot to talk about salvation. I didn't plan on this being a whole year-long uh, series. I thought this might be two or three months at max. And here we are already on the doorsteps of November. And we uh, are still talking about this great salvation. And so we started off, I think, back in February. We talked about how salvation is a gift. It's not something you can earn. Okay? It's... it's um, Faith in His grace, it's not grace alone, it's not faith alone, it's faith in His grace. We define the word salvation in both the Hebrew and the Greek, and the word Yeshua in the Hebrew, and the word soteria in the Greek means wholeness, it means healing, it means prosperity, it means deliverance, by definition, okay? Some people don't like the word prosperity, well it's in the definition of the word, okay? So I can't... I can't unmarry the definition of the word itself. Okay? Um, we, then we talk, started talking about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. Those are benefits. And there is a heaven. And there is a hell. Those who receive Jesus will go to heaven. Those who reject Jesus will go to hell. That is true. And that's not something I'm taking away from. But the purpose of salvation is that we can have a relationship with God. Even if there was not a heaven and hell, and there is, God, Jesus still would have died on the cross for us because he want, God wanted a relationship with us. Adam lost that relationship through the fall, and Jesus re reconciled us back into a right relationship with God through the finished work of the cross. Through his birth, his death, his, his burial, his resurrection, and even his ascension, all incorporated, all what I call the finished work of the cross, which Jesus paved the way, he made it possible that we can be in right relationship with God, which is the definition of righteousness. Okay? And that's a whole other teaching I've taught that for the first year that we started this church, and back, uh, I forget the year now, but it was, we're now in the eighth year, so if you can count backwards with me, uh, I spent a whole year talking about righteousness. So I've, I spent, you know, in, in, in the eight years we've been in this ministry, I've had two year-long messages, one on righteousness and this one on salvation. I didn't plan any of those. That's just how it just kind of oozed out, okay? 
And then we talked about the necessity of salvation, and we've been on, then, then we talked about the benefits of salvation, and we've been on the benefits of salvation for several months now. And here we are on the very last segment of this. Uh, I guess we've got a few more weeks to go, so hopefully we'll finish before 2022 is, is uh, over with, but we're not in any race. We have a lot to talk about with the salvation. We're not in the race. We're here to preach the word of God. We're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here to magnify God. And we're here to magnify Jesus. Okay? And with under the umbrella of this, sec this section of talking about the benefits of salvation, we had a mini-series talking about the benefits, benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. And then we had a mini-series on the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And then now we are in our seventh or eighth week uh, on talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. And again, this word prosperity, finances, anytime a pastor like myself talks about this subject, it doesn't cause any small stir. A lot of people don't like this subject. Some, many people loathe this subject matter. Some people teach against this subject matter. Well, as we already mentioned, Prosperity is, a def is, in, is intertwined in the definition in both the Hebrew and the Greek of the word salvation. And so I can't unmarry the word from itself. Okay? And when we're talking about prosperity, we're going to get some things this morning. Some things this morning, excuse me. We're talking about God's blessing on our lives. We're talking about God's covenant with his people. Okay? We're talking about trusting God. Because this, this message, yes, we'll be talking about finances. Yes, we'll be talking about prosperity. And prosperity is not just finances, as I'll highlight again this morning. But it doesn't exclude finances either. Okay? We live in a financial world. Okay? We can't unmarry from that. Okay? And so there is an economy. But there's also God's economy. Okay? And God's economy trumps the world's economy. We are born again. We are in the kingdom of God. And there's an economy. There's an economy of God. There's an economy in the world. And we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we're still in there, so we need to occupy until he comes. And if you think you can operate anything, your family, your business, your, uh, the church, without money, you're, you're full. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Okay? At the same point in time, we are not worshiping money. We are worshiping God who is our source to give us what we need to do what he's called us to do. Okay? And so we're talking about trusting God. We're not trusting money. Money's a tool. Money's a resource. God's our, God's, Jesus is our Lord. He's our Savior and he's our Lord. He's our King. Okay? In a kingdom, there's a king. And in a kingdom, there's rules and laws to that kingdom. And there's an economy in that kingdom. And we're trusting God as our source and our supply in all things, but also including money. So again, we're talking about the benefits of salvation. And we're talking about... <coughs> excuse me real quick. We're talking about we have to trust God. We have to trust God. We have to trust in His grace. We have to trust in His word. We have to trust God for everything. We need to trust Him for our health. And we need to trust Him for our wealth, our provision. <coughs> Excuse me. And when I talk about prosperity, there's a lot of confusion in different opinions regarding the topic. Okay? And the first revelation we need in the area of finances, prosperity, is knowing God wants us to prosper. Okay? God wants us to, 
If you don't think God wants you to prosper, then why do you pray for finances? Why do you pray for, for provision? Because why would you pray for something that you, you think, you believe, God doesn't want you to have? Okay? And see, I don't believe that. I don't think that. And I believe God wants us to prosper, and he's my source. Do I want prosperity to have my heart? No. But, just, and I can say this about other things. You know, I believe there's things that God wants, God wants us to have families. But God, does God want us to elevate our family above our relationship with God? No. God doesn't want us to elevate our spouse, our kids, our friends, our loved ones above him. He wants us to have families, and I believe our, our, our families should take second place, second fiddle, according to our relationship with God. See, a lot of people teach that the first relationship God established was man and marriage. No, the first relationship God established was God and man. Adam had a relationship with God before Eve even came around. Okay? And yes, the second most important relationship is marriage. And from that, and even the marriage is more important than the kids. Because there was Adam and Eve before there was Cain and Abel and Seth and so on and so on. Okay? Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Okay? The, but the first revelation we need is knowing that God wants us to prosper. The first, when I say the first revelation, we're talking about prosperity. So when I say first revelation, I'm saying that first revelation in the context of what we're talking about. Okay? So don't misunderstand me. Don't take me out of context. Okay? God wants us to prosper and spiritually. He wants us to prosper emotionally. He wants us to prosper physically. He wants us to prosper in our relationships, in our marriage, in our friendships, in our employer-employee relationships. Excuse me. In our business relationship. God wants us to prosper financially. A lot of people want to take this off the equation. Well, no. We, you know, we need all this. We need finances uh, in our physical life, in our relationships, and other things as well. Okay? Prosperity is God's nature. Okay? Prosperity is His promise and His covenant to us. Prosperity is His provision and His blessing in our, in our lives. Okay? But in this series, we, I've broken down the five things that we want to talk about and we are talking about. We, talk, we, we spent some weeks on talking about what is God's will, why prosperity. I don't feel like I totally had an exhaustive study on that, but we did cover that, and we did spend some time with that. And we also spent the last two weeks talking about sowing and reaping. And I told you from time to time, we'll be bouncing around in this message. And these are five points, but I'm not necessarily going in the, teaching them in a semantic order. But, but at the same point in time, there is some order to this. And this week I want to start going into talking about stewardship, and then we'll be talking about some motives. Okay? And so we are we got two more points really to cover before we're done with this series, and even this mini-series. Uh, and I still might bounce around a few more times, so I'm not sure. Okay? And so I'm just letting God lead this as we kind of bring this whole message to a close after spending a whole year on it. But today, I want again, like I said, I want to begin talking about stewardship. And I'm going to link this with sowing and reaping a little bit this morning and uh, some of the other things that we talked about. Okay? And I know this is not going to be the only week I'm going to talk about stewardship. But when we talk about stewardship, we need to be good stewards of our time, our talents, and our, our treasures. Okay? If you want three T's, there you go. Time, talents, and treasures. Our, and our treasures can also be interpreted as resources. That, that includes money, 
but that includes other resources God's given us. That includes other assets God has given us. Homes, you know, businesses, buildings, land. There's other resources, there's other treasures God has given us as tools, as assets to, for the kingdom of God. Okay? And we need to be good stewards of all this. Not, you know, it's not just, I'm going to be talking a lot about finances this morning and how it relates to stewardship, but how I many you know we need to be good stewards of our time too? We need to be good stewards of our talents, our skills, how God has wired us with our personalities. You know, some of our personalities are just a skill. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it probably that's a bad way of saying it. But there's just some people, I mean, they got a personality I just can't flow in. <laughs> okay? No matter how I try, that's just not my personality. But God didn't make me to be that. God made me to be me. I need, me to, I need to be content with that. I need to be uh, secure in that. Okay? And we all have different personalities, but when we, when we flow together in harmony, it makes a nice symphony. Okay? And we need to let God be the orchestrator of that as we work in harmony with Him, the headmaster. Okay? But we need to be good stewards of all these things, our treasures and our resources as well. How many know every good thing comes from God? But God didn't just give it to you just to lie on the shelf. God didn't give it to you just to be dormant. God didn't give it to you because you were, you were worthy of it. God gave it to you because he created you to use you for his glory and for his purpose. Yes, he loves you. He, he loves you enough that he died for you. He thought you were worthy enough to die for. But if there's any good thing that's in you, it's because of him, not you. you he created you. And then he recreated you in Christ. And everything you have, any good thing you have, it came from him. Your personality came from him. Your talents came from him. Your resources in, in, came from him. Your time comes from him. If he needs to, like Joshua, he'll, he'll make the sun stand still. I mean, some of you know, some of you know me uh, in my business. I just worked two, uh, I mean, I worked a, on Friday night to Saturday. I worked a, on Friday to Saturday, I worked a 23-hour shift. And then I worked a 28-hour shift yesterday. Last night was the best good, night, good night's sleep I had in a while. And I'm not saying that the brag can actually, when I do it in some ways, sounds foolish. But, you know, um, I forget where I was going with this. But I need to be a good steward of my time. I mean, you know, I can't only do that so long, and some of us can never do that. I don't even know how I do that. It's by God. I have some deadlines, I have some things to accomplish, and I got them done by God's grace. I feel good, I'm fired up, I'm puffed up. Um, but we have to be good stewards. I mean, the farmers sometimes have busy seasons. Every trade, and some, especially some trades, some you know, rescue workers, first responders, they have some long shifts when they're putting out a major fire or a major things going on. Okay, there's times where we have to kick it up in here, but it's God's grace that we can maximize that time. And if God needs to, to he needs to create for time. And I believe that when, you know, in the midst of this, I just keep praying, praying Lord, <coughs> I got to get this done, and I just need the strength, and he gave me the strength and the rest to, to move on. Anyway, when we're talking about stewardship, I want to quote something you I've heard from one of my mentors, and I want to echo this, but this, this quote doesn't just apply to finances, this also applies to time 
in our other other stewardships. Uh, and these are not the only things. I'm going to tap into some other things that we can be good stewards of too. Okay. If your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. I mean, we, let me say that again. If <coughs> excuse me, if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. That's just pure wisdom right there. Okay? And this phrase, this quote, applies not only to finances, but also time. If you are doing what I did the last few days, working 23, 28-hour shifts every day, you know, if your outgo exceeds your income, getting some sleep, getting some rest, having some sanity, your upkeep will be your downfall. Okay? We can't do that every day. But sometimes we have to take it up a notch. Sometimes there, there are challenges and, and, and deadlines and different things. And, but it also goes with finances. It also goes with other things in relationship. If your outgo exceeds your income or your intake, your, in, your, your upkeep will be your downfall. Let me throw another thing in the mix. In 1 Corinthians 4.1, Paul says, oh, let a man think of us as ministers. <coughs> Excuse me, let me read that again. So let a man think of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We're talking about stewardship, but this doesn't have anything to do with finances. This quote, this, this verse. Let's be stewards of the mysteries of God. Church, we are all able ministers of the new covenant. He said, he said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, that we're all able ministers of the new covenant. How many of you know, as believers, we have Jesus. And we have the gospel of Jesus. And we need to be not only good stewards of our time and our talents and our resources, but we need to be good stewards of the gospel. We need to preach the gospel in season and out of season. We need to be good stewards of the gospel that we've been entrusted with. We have a commission. We have a job to do. We are to occupy until he comes. And so not only this whole idea of stewardship is not just financial, it's also spiritual. I'm going to get into some pr very practical things this morning because there is a practical side. You know, we are spiritual beings born again, but God created us as human beings. There is a natural world that God created. Okay? I'm not talking about being worldly. I'm not talking about being ungodly. I'm talking about there's a natural world that God created. And he, when he created it, he said it was good. Okay? Man messed it up, not God. But there's a natural world. And we need to cooperate with that. But we, 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 the greatest treasure and the greatest resource that you and I have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be good stewards of that gospel. There are other things that we need to be good stewards of, and we're going to tap into that. But we need to be good stewards of all that's been entrusted to us. And one of the most major things he... Not one of... The most major thing he has entrusted to us is Jesus. I mean, we need to be good stewards of Jesus. In Luke 16, therefore, it is Jesus talking. This is not Paul or someone else talking. Not that it wouldn't be less valuable. But Jesus said this. If you have not been faithful and unrighteous mammon, that's money, 
who will commit to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You know, there's a lot in here right here. And we're going to unpack some of this. Okay? He who, I think I got the verses wrong here. Um, anyway, just go with me. It's Luke 16. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. There's a lot about faithfulness in this passage. There's a lot about stewardship in this passage. Okay, let's go back to it real quick one more time. If you have an unfaith if, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, that's finances, who will commit you to you the true riches? What are the true riches? We're gonna get into that. If you've not been faithful with someone else's money, who will give you what is your own? Okay? Let's move forward. We need to be good stewards again of our time, of our talents, of our treasures. And sometimes, especially if we're employees, sometimes we are on someone else's time. They're paying us for their time. Or maybe you are have a business and you have clients. Well, they're paying you for their time. I'm, a, I'm an apostille agent. I'm a notary public outside of being a pastor. Apostilles have to do with us here in the U.S. legalizing documents in the U.S. so they can be used in another country. And clients, when they hire me, to help authenticate their documents, they're paying me for my time. They're paying me for my talents. And they're paying me to use my resources for the job. And I need to be a good steward of that. I need to, I need to first of all, keep my promise. Keep my word. Okay? Some things that we volunteer for. We can volunteer in the church. We can volunteer in the community. You know, there's a, there are two networks I'm a part of right now, and I'm volunteering. A lot of hours, I'm here to serve. Okay? And this all goes with sowing and reaping. And I can go spend a lot of time with that, but we need to be good stewards of what God has called us to do in each season of our lives. A lot of you are parents, grandparents, relatives, guardians. You need to be good stewards of the kids that God's brought into your care. You don't get paid for that. Okay? What's, what's your, what, how do you get paid? Knowing that you did what God called you to do well. Raising those kids in the, in the Lord. Okay? Providing for them, teaching them, admonishing them. And the, and the, and the job of motherhood, fatherhood, never ends. Even when your children become adults. It takes a new form. There's a new paradigm to that relationship. But you will always be a mother or father. Some of you are spiritual parents to people God has put in your life to mentor and to raise and to speak into their lives. You need to be good stewards. As a pastor, I need to be a good steward of the people God's brought in our care. Okay? And so, so on and on I can go. Let's go back to Luke 16. Again, I think I had the verses wrong. But it's Luke 16. <coughs> Excuse me. If you have not been faithful in righteous mammon, who will commit to you? Commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in one another man, who will give you what is your own? 
And if he who is faithful with least is also faithful with much, and he who is unjust with what is least is unjust also with much. See, the, the way we handle money, unrighteous mammon, that which is least. Jesus said money was least. What will determine how we handle spiritual things, the true riches, which is much. If we can't handle what is least, which is money, Jesus said, we can't handle the true riches, which is much. Okay, That's what Jesus said. You might disagree with that, but you know what? I'm going to have to go with Jesus. Whether I agree with it, whether I understand with it, understand it or not, I'm going with what Jesus said. Okay? Jesus said, taught more about financial stewardship than any other topic. You might not agree with that, but you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He talked about financial stewardship a lot, especially in some of his parables, many of his parables. Okay? Again, he mentions this, who will commit to you the true riches? Okay? Jesus said we cannot be trusted with the true riches of the kingdom unless we are faithful in what is least, which is financial stewardship. And again, we might not understand that. We might not agree with that. But I'm going with Jesus. Okay? And Jesus is saying something here, that if we can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, if we can't be faithful when it belongs to somebody else, how are we going to be trusted with our own? How are we going to be trusted with the true riches? There's something about faithfulness. There's something about stewardship. You know, as a, as a manager, as a, a boss, as one who owns a business, you know, the, one of the first things I look for in someone that I want to hire is faithfulness. And maybe that faithfulness is not so much in my business or in my job or my church where I pastor. That may, that's probably usually where I'm going to see it demonstrated. Because if I, if I can't see them perform, like a better word, then I, you know, I'm not going to be able to get it. But as I get to know them, I can see how they're faithful with their families, how they're faithful in their marriage, how they're faithful with their kids, how they've been faithful in their resume with other jobs. You know, I can, there, there's ways that you can judge someone's character. You can, you can judge someone's, um, or critique someone's faithfulness. Are they faithful? And can they be, because faithfulness to me talks about trust. Can they be trusted with something? Or are they here today and gone tomorrow? And are they the type of person that the first time the game is not going the way they want, they take their ball home because they don't like how the game's going? Do you ever do that? I mean, on our city block, it's kids. Sometimes we play kickball or something as neighborhood kids. And every once in a while, the game didn't go the way the guy who bought the ball, and so he just took the ball home and, and, went, and went, the game was over. Because he didn't like how the game was going. Now, that's a poor sport, but anyway, you know, that's just how we did it sometimes as kids. Anyway, let's go back here again. You know, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammoth, who will commit to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful when it's another man's, who will give you of your own? You know, the first step towards financial stewardship is to recognize God as your source. We're talking about trust. You know, I could change, I could change this up. Okay, take about finances for a moment. We said that we need to be good stewards of our time. 
in our talents. The first step towards time stewardship, okay, is to recognize God as your source. The first step towards your talents and skills and your personality is realizing God is your source. He's the one that gave you that personality. He's the one that gave you your talents and skills and know-how. You might develop those, just looks like we all have the same muscles, but some of you have developed your muscles. I'm out of shape, man. <laughs> my, my muscles, some of my muscles need to be redeveloped. Okay? And, and uh, anyway, I hope we got a laugh out of that one. But the first step towards anything that we're stewards of is recognize God's the source. What's a steward? When I'm a steward of something, I'm taking care of someone else's stuff. As an employee, and I've been an employee many years, you know, I used to work at In-N-Out Burgers for years. It wasn't David Alberger, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not the one that started the business. The Snyder family started the business, okay? And now the niece is, is running the business. But <clears throat> God is our source. And when I was a steward, I was entrusted to represent that business with their resources, with their talents, with their names, and they hired me as one of their resources, as one of their assets, because I mean, you know, employees are one of the strongest assets in any business when you hire people. You're paying a lot of money for that employee, and you can't do it without them, okay? But I was being a good steward of the, my time, excuse me, my talents, and some of those were trained as I worked for the job. As I got there, they trained me in some certain areas. But I was being good stewards of that. But they were the ones that gave me the, the source as far as the, the uniform and the skill and the job itself. They were the ones paying me. Ultimately, God was my source that gave me breath in my lungs and the ability to be able to perform and to, to have a good work ethic and all that good stuff, jazz. Okay? But as long as you think it's your ability that causes you to prosper, because that's what we're talking about when we're talking about prosperity, as long as you think that your ability to, that causes you to prosper, you will probably struggle with being faithful in what is least, and what's least, finances. If you, let me go back, God, the first thing we got to realize is that God is our source. And at the moment, as long as we think it's our ability to prosper with our job, with our business, with our education, whatever your goals are, you will probably struggle and being you will probably struggle in being faithful with beliefs. As long as you think it's your talents, your skills that you developed by God's grace that causes you to prosper, you will probably struggle with financial stewardship. You might not agree with that, but I'm going with God, okay? We need to trust God as our support, source, and we need to trust God as our supply in all things. Our time, our skills, and our strength, our wisdom, our joy, and our finances, okay? We also need to be faithful stewards. We need to know that God is our source. We need to know that God is our supply. But we need to be good stewards of what he has supplied. He didn't supply things. He's not our source just so we can look good. 
He gave us things so that He can look good through us. And so that we can do what He's called us to do to the glory of God. And for the benefit of others. You're not working hard for you. You're working hard for Him. And you are blessing others in the process. And in that process, you're being blessed too. Okay? We get, again, we need to be good stewards of our time, our talents, our treasures, which is also our resources. The key word here regarding finances and stewardship is trust. That's my next slide. The key word to stewardship is trust. We're trusting God. He's our source. He's our supply. But now get to work. We need to be good stewards of what he has supplied us with. With what he has resourced us with. And just as faith without works is dead, if you read James 2.20, believing God for provision, but without some practical stewardship, just won't work. God's our source. And just believing God for provision, for finances, for strength, for time, sometimes I'm just praying God for more time. Give me two more hours, God. Okay? Without some practical stewardship of my of the, that time, that talent, and the resources. Just praying for it, but if I don't know how to steward what God has given me. I mean, we could be talking about time management here. We could be talking about financial management here. We could be talking about just how to be good stewards. And, not being, and I'm not just talking about being slothful, but sometimes we tell us we just don't know how to, to manage what God's given us. And we can talk about some of those things. But, you know, we're spiritual, but there's a practical side to how we live. That makes sense? Am I, am I making any sense? Okay? So, you know, if you tell someone you love them, but you're never there, you never care, you never show up, there's a practical side to love. You know, if I just told my wife I love you, but I'm never there, those words are going to get old very quick. Okay? If I just did it and didn't say it, that is also not going to pan over so well either. We need to say it, we need to believe it, it needs to be true, but we also need to put some elbow. We need to get into the game. There's a practical side. We're not trusting what we're doing and being practical. We're trusting he's our source, but we need to get in the game. Okay? Believing God for provision without some practical stewardship Faith without works is dead. It just won't work. See, every good thing comes from God. And everything we have is God's. We're stewards. My life is God's. I'm born again. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 I'm dead. This is probably the best-looking dead guy you've ever seen. Just kidding. Okay? If you're in Christ, we already died with him. We were buried with him in baptism. And we've been raised to newness of life. I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that word sin in the book of Romans is a noun. It's not just talking about my actions of sin. It's talking about my sin nature. Which is a noun. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 1, uh, 11, verse uh, 
Romans 6, verse 11. Excuse me. Everything I have is from God, and everything I have is God's. My life is God's. And I need to be good stewards of that life. I need to be good stewards of the family, of the business, of the church, of everything God's given me. I need to be good stewards of that. And so every morning when I wake up and I get into the office at work, I have my calendar, I have my to-do list, I have my appointments. But I say, first thing I say, I try to, I'm not perfect at this. I say, Lord, what are we doing today? And he, because I'm just a steward, he has a right to change my schedule. He has a right to change my priorities. Okay? And he's done that. Sometimes he just says, stay the course. Sometimes he says, close the schedule, we're doing something different today. Okay? But in Christ, we died. I already quoted this. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives me. In the life by which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the lack of practical stewardship and plan often, I'm, go I'm now going to get some, some practical things right here. Okay? Is that it causes good people to get to debt. When we, when we have the lack of practical stewardship, and right now I'm talking about finances, okay, some practical stuff, and we don't have, we don't plan well, we can get to debt. This can also apply to time, time too. If we don't plan well, we can get burned out. You try working a 23-hour shift or 28-hour shift back to back and see how tired you are, and. Do you think I'm in debt to some sleep and rest? Yes, I am. God's given me some supernatural strength to, 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 to endure, but I'm not feeling tired right now. Okay? But I know I can't keep doing that forever. That's not how God designed me. But there's times, even like farmers and different vocations, that people do have to work extra, and God gives the grace to do so. Okay? But if we, we don't plan well, we sometimes get into debt. And this can apply to other areas of our life. Our relationships can start. Our relationships can be in debt. Because we haven't spent time with them. We haven't nurtured them. That makes sense? So this concept doesn't just apply to finances, but I'm talking about finances. Okay? When the lack of practical stewardship plan often can also prevent us from saving for the future. Okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna really dive into this one in just a moment. When we when we don't let me take it off. When we have the lack of practical stewardship and plan, it become we can become codependent on financial security. That million dollars we want in the bank, whatever the case may be. I'm not against a million dollars in the bank. I'm not against financial security in a sense, but financial security is a self-centered mindset where you're trusting you and not God. You're relying on what's in the bank, not God. And that could be a downfall. That could be a pit that you, a deceptive pit that you, not, you don't realize. See, the focus is on what a person can acquire when, we are try, when we're trying to get financial security. And I'm not against people who have money saved up and have a good storehouse and they have that financial security. But what if God told you, you're so financial secure. And God came to you and said, I want you to give it all away. Some of us would have a problem with that. Okay? 
I'm not saying that's what God told you to do. Because I'm going to show you some examples in Scripture where saving up and having a storehouse is biblical. Okay? When we, we need to trust God as our source, and we need to trust God as our supply. Am I making sense this morning? Okay? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. I want to spend some time here. I want to read verse 8 in the middle of the context, and then we're going to read the whole context. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. I love this verse, and we're going to unpack it some more in just a moment. Okay, God wants you to have all sufficiency in all things and have abundance for every good work, not just some good works. That's prosperity. And those who teach against prosperity, are you, you must be ripping out this verse out of your Bible. Because God is making all grace abound so that you have always having sufficiency in all things that you have abundance for every good work. And the context of this verse is all about giving. The context of this verse is all about sowing. And we just spent two weeks talking about sowing and reaping the last couple weeks. Let's back up to verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, now talk about giving, okay? So let each one give, in case you missed the message, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God, <coughs> but God loves a cheerful giver. Then we get to verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, he was dispersed and abroad, he was given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. I think he's quoting from Psalm 112, verse 9. I could be wrong on that. <coughs> How may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food and supply? And multiply the seed that you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Excuse me. While you are, and you know, verse 10, we spent a lot of time talking about this in this series already. Verse 11, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the, the ministration of this service, not only supplies the needs of the saints, it not only supplies the needs of the saints, that's you and I, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. I don't have time to teach on this in, le 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 uh, in depth like I want to. But let's go back to verse 8 real quick. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you're always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Church, we are destined to abound. That's how God's created us. That's God's destiny for us, that we are destined to abound. And he also says that we are faithful stewards in God's economy. If, if we are faithful stewards in God's economy, we should always have sufficiency in all things. That's what the verse just said. Excuse me. Verse 9. I mean, excuse me. I don't know why I'm going that. If we are, this goes with it. If we are faithful stewards, not only, uh, in God, let me read this again. If we are faithful stewards in God's economy, we should always have sufficiency in all things. 
And if we are faithful stewards in God's economy, we should have abundance for every good work. You know what this tells me? This whole thing, at the core of it, is that we need to believe God. That we need to trust God for our sufficiency, for our abundance, so that we can do every good work that he's called us to do. See, the context of this is giving. The context is selling. The context of this is stewardship. If you read it correctly. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have an all sufficiency and all things may have abundance for every good work. Can I just pause here for a moment? I'm, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get back to the message. But as part of my business right now, I'm also... I'm an Arab military public. I'm an uh, apostille agent. I don't have time to define all that. I, I, I gave a blurb there just a minute ago. But through that, I'm also networking with a network called CORE. And if you go to my website, you'll need to find more about that and whatnot. And we'll talk more about that later. But this is a national network here in the U.S. that we're trying to network with notaries around the country so that we can serve our clients better. Okay? But at the core of core, in our founders' hearts, and also uh, we've adopted this vision too, we are trying to create something called Hannah's Umbrella. And Hannah's Umbrella is something that we, God has put on our hearts, our founders' hearts, as well as our hearts as well, so that we can give back to our community. We can give back to single moms and others who are struggling and others who need a helping hand. And there's many other things. I don't have time to go into all that this morning. Okay, but we have a good work that God has put on our hearts to do. And we need sufficiency. We need abundance so that thing can work. There's things that we want to do in this church. But we need sufficiency and we need abundance for that good work. And this God said, He gives all grace of balance with you that you're always having all sufficiency and all things that, that you have the abundance. For every good work. God, God is El Shaddai. He's not El Chifo. He's Jehovah Jireh. He, he is our provider. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace and our provision. Okay? And God wants us to have sufficiency. Whatever God put on your heart. Whatever your needs are for your family, your community, your church. What God has planned to you. God wants you to have all sufficiency in all things. He wants you to always have it. You're having I mean, it's continuing to happen. In all things, it may have abundance. Not, we're not poor in the church mouse. We have the church of the living God. And he wants to have all an abundance for every good work. But we're going to need to trust God. And we're going to need to be faithful, faithful stewards. And he goes on to say, verse 10, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seeds to you have so. <coughs> Folks, if you want to harvest, and that harvest can be the thing that, the good work that you're trying to do. If you want to harvest, you've got to start sowing some seeds. See, I'm, marrying, I'm trying to marry stewardship with sowing and reaping. I say this all the time. <coughs> if you don't like your, if you don't like your harvest, then you need to change your seed. And you can't expect a harvest unless you have some seed in the ground. 
Am I making sense? See, prosperity is not getting rich to self-indulge. I'm not saying you can't enjoy some things. I'm not saying you can't, can't have some fun. <coughs> I can't say you, I'm not saying you can't have some toys. Okay? God created the world so we can enjoy it. Okay? And I'm not saying you can't have abundance and you can't have some of that for yourselves, the things that you enjoy. Okay? But prosperity is not just for you. Prosperity is not getting rich so you can be self-centered. I'm not saying you don't need to provide for your needs. I'm not saying you don't need to provide for your family. Okay? But we're not self-centered in this. We are God-centered. We are Christ-centered. Prosperity is not getting rich to be self-reliant. We need to be God-reliant. We need to be relying on Him. And one of the downfalls of prosperity is that we become self-reliant. Okay? But we can be prosperous and have abundance for every good deed and be trusting God. Okay? Prosperity is having seed to sow. Prosperity is having seed to bless. Prosperity is being faithful stewards. How do you be stewards if you have nothing to steward? Am I making sense? How do you steward finances if you don't have any? How do you steward a family if you don't have one? See, sowing natural provision, we want to sow, we sow natural provision because we, there's a harvest that we want to have in people's lives, in our lives. But ultimately, we want to sow the seed of God's word so we can see lives change for the glory of God. See, I'm going to bring back Corey Hannah's umbrella for a moment. We all have a business. We all have a job to do, and we do it well. God has given us talents and skills and ability and a team to do that. And it's still being developed. But God is using natural seed, natural provision, a natural means, something that we naturally have to be stewards of, for a spiritual purpose of selling God's word in people's lives through what we're calling Hannah's umbrella. And again, I don't have time to develop all of this and teach all of this right now, what we're doing. But I hope you're getting my drift here. But prosperity is having sufficiency for every good work. Even our business is good work. We're serving clients in a very practical way with notorial work of various kinds. But we're also praying for sufficiency and have an umbrella so we can help people in a very practical, financial way. Okay, and there's things that we have in, a, in this church that we do in a practical way. There's things that we do in this church in a very spiritual way. Okay, how many know some practical things can be very spiritual? And some spiritual things can be very practical. Okay, prosperity is having abundance for every good work. There's things that God has put on our hearts and your hearts to do, but we need some sufficiency. We need some abundance to do every good work. And that's what prosperity is for. It's not just so you can self-indulge. It's not just so you can be self-reliant and self-centered. It's so that God, you can be blessed to be a blessing. So you can have sufficiency for every good work. And you can have abundance for every good work. God, God is able. 
He's more than able to make all grace abound towards you that you're always having all sufficiency in all things. Not just some things. And you may have an abundance of every, not just some, but every good word. Abundance. We should not be struggling finding out how can we do what God's called us to do. We should have abundance. But we need to get some seed in the ground so we can have a harvest. Okay, and again, he's able to supply seed to the sower. See, if you're a sower, don't supply seed. But if you're, if you just want finances so you can self-indulge, that's not a sower. You're on your own for that. Get it? But he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. That means you can eat some of it too. Okay? And supply and, and multiply the seed you have some. He can't supply and multiply seed you are still, are still sitting on the shelf. He can't supply and multiply seed that you have not been a good steward of. Okay? We have, there's some sowing we have to do. That means we need to go plow some ground. That means we need to go sow some seed. That means we need to water that seed. That means we need to sometimes do some weeding. Okay? That means we need to farm and garden that crop. He brings the increase. But we have a, we, a farmer is just being a steward of that seed and that soil and that ground so that the harvest can come. God's already commanded the seed to produce. He did that in Genesis 1.11. But we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be good stewards of everything God gives us. And we need to be ready to distribute to meet the needs of other people. You know, God wants to bless you with a harvest and with seed so that you can distribute to meet the needs of others. That's what we're trying to do in this church. That's what we want to do with Hannah's umbrella. That's what we want to do with our businesses. Okay, we want to distribute to those who meet the needs of others. Okay, and we have to be good stewards about that. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have an all sufficient and all things may have an abundance for every good work. God wants us to have more than security. Remember I talked about financial security a few minutes ago? God wants us to have more than security. God wants us to have freedom. Freedom to do what he's called us to do. Freedom because we have abundance and sufficiency to do what God's called us to do. In a very practical but also very powerful spiritual way. God wants us to have freedom. But how many of you know if you don't have the resources to meet other people's needs, you don't have freedom in that capacity? We want to bless people with Hannah's umbrella, but until we have funds to do so, we can't. We don't have the freedom. We're limited. Our hands are tied. I can't give you nothing, but I can give you something. Is that making sense? God wants us to have financial freedom, not so much financial security. We're not the hoard finances, and we need to have a storehouse, and I'm going to get there in just a moment. But we need to have freedom so that we can bless, be a blessing. That makes sense? So again, always having all sufficient all things that we may have abundance for every good work. He did to supply and multiply the seed you have sown. The church, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. The church has taught the great principles of giving well. Some people still need to learn this, I get that, Okay. And I'll be talking more about giving later. 
but it goes with sowing and reaping. For the church has taught the promise, the, the promised blessing of God. I'm, I'm not saying there's not some room to grow there, but at least the church is working at it. Would. They taught giving and blessing well. Okay. Churches that don't teach giving don't understand God because God's a giver. And we're created in his image. But the spiritual... Okay, let me go back. Are right, you following me? The church has taught giving and the blessing, the promised blessing of God well, for the most part. At least the church is we're connected with. Okay. But the spiritual, but the spiritual side of stewardship needs to be complemented by practical. By the practical side. There's a spiritual promise of giving and blessing, the blessing of God that we need to teach and we need to, to uh, put faith in. But there's also a practical side of stewardship that needs to complement that faith. Am I making sense? Making sense? There's a spiritual side of prosperity that we need to, to that we need to embrace and believe in. But there's also a practical side that we need to embrace and we need to be faithful in. And we need to be, there's a, there's a spiritual side that we need to be faithful towards. And there's a very practical side that needs to complement that faith. Okay? To be good stewards, we must agree. Let me back up here. The, to be good stewards, we must agree with God on the purpose of money. I can't even change that. The purpose of time. The purpose of your talents. The purpose of your skills. The purpose of your personality. Every good thing that God gave you. But we need to be good stewards. We need to agree with God's purpose. And we are God's purpose is to be a blessing to others. But let's also see what the Word of God says about God's purpose. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8.18 again. We've been here many times before. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Again, people don't like that word wealth. I don't know why. They want their, their fighting to be poor. But they don't like that word wealth. See, when you read Deuteronomy 18, it doesn't, God does not give us wealth. It says that God gives us the power to create wealth, to get wealth. This requires action on the part of the steward, you and me. Okay? There are some practical things we must do as stewards. You're not being a good steward if you're just sitting there on the couch watching the world turn. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Now, we teach tithing and giving in this church, and I'm going to be teaching tithing and giving in more detail later, okay? But tithing and giving alone will not bring about the kind of abundance God speaks of. Are you following me? I'm not putting down tithing and giving. We teach tithing and giving in this church, and we'll, we'll be talking about that more later. But tithing and giving alone will not bring about the kind of abundance God's, God speaks of. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8, and I'm going to read this to King James. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Lord shall command the blessing of thee on thy storehouses, plural, and in all thou, thou settest thy hands unto 
and he shall bless thee in the land of the Lord that God giveth thee. There's a lot here I wish I had time to piggyback on and, and delve into, but, and you know, I, I will make, say this, that he wants to bless the work of your hands. But if your hands are not working, he can't bless that. Okay, and I'm going to come back and, and in a whole other session and we're going to talk about how we need to work. Okay, but the Lord shall command the blessing of thee on thy storehouses. Plural. Okay, As, let me echo this. God commands a blessing, or God wants to command a blessing on our storehouses. Plural. Okay, not just one. Yet most Christians don't even have a storehouse. What's a storehouse? To me, that's a savings account. Or something of the nature. See, many people do not save money. Now I'm getting very practical on some things here. Okay? So bear with me. I want the scriptures to do the talking, not Dave. Okay? Therefore, many of us are missing out on God's commanded blessing on our savings because we don't have a storehouse for him to command that blessing on. See, the priority taught in many circles is pay God. That's tied, and I don't believe it's a pay God, but bear with me. Pay yourself and pay everyone else. Okay? Many people do give to God. Some people struggle with that. I get that. But that's why I say many people do. Everyone pays everyone else. Whether you want to or not, you have bills. Every, everyone has to pay groceries or, or something. Or Everyone's paying everyone else. Some people are paying God, but very few are paying themselves. And that might be backwards in some circles. I'm not talking about the, I'm not, folks, you got to keep in mind, I'm not talking to the world right now. I'm talking to the church. If you've been listening to me, most of, most of you are probably Christians. I'm not talking to the world. I don't have a responsibility to the world. I have a responsibility to preach and meet, minister to this church. Okay. God wants us, wants to bless your storehouse is. And he wants to command a blessing on there. But it began, we, therefore we must begin the discipline, and it's a discipline of saving regularly. In other words, we need to give God something to bless. We need to be working so he can bless the work of our hands, and there's a whole message in that too. But God can't bless what you need. God can only bless what you have. Okay? But this begs the question, how do we do this? How do we save money, and how do we get out of debt? And before I go there, I just want to share a little testimony from Sherry and I. I forget what year this was, but this was, uh, I want to say, somewhere around 2018, 2019. This was before COVID. And Sherry and I are very conservative in our money. We, we've always worked hard. We've always had a good work ethic. And we never struggled with that. But we never had extra. We never had extra to go on vacation. We never had extra to go do this. And more importantly, we didn't have extra to give to people in need. And we always wanted to give. It was always things we wanted to give. Things would come up, and we just didn't have anything extra. We were, we were making it. We were surviving. And that's it. We were surviving. 
and we never had extra. So we find it finally dawned on us we need to start saving something, even if we can't save much. And I forget what what dollar amount we started with. I think it was like twenty dollars per paycheck or something of the nature. Okay, it that really wasn't much, but we need to start a seed in the cup. We need to start something versus nothing, and we started saving. One of the things we wanted to do, we wanted to go on a cruise to Alaska. We've been wanting to do that for 20 years, and we, so we, we were saving. And, but before you knew it, we were not only saving $20, we started saving $100 of uh, paycheck. And, it, and even that began to grow. And before we know it, we had all the money to pay for the Alaska cruise. Among many other things God put in our hearts. And then COVID hit. And we got our we, we so we couldn't go to Alaska if we wanted to. So we had funds and we were able to use it for God's glory in other ways. <coughs> My thing I'm trying to paint a picture of is that during this time that we started saving the twenty dollars of paycheck or a hundred dollars of paycheck, we didn't change anything in our finances. We didn't have more income coming in, and we didn't have we and we're very conservative, so we really didn't shave off any expenses, but we just became disciplined and put aside $20 or $100, whatever we could, uh, for, for a period of time. It was at least a year or two. And before you know it, we started having a storehouse. And we've had a storehouse ever since. We've had to deplete that storehouse sometimes, but we have it created us a discipline to do, for God to have a seed in the cup for that storehouse to come. And every time we've had a storehouse, and we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're, we're tithers, we've been tithing, and that's a whole other message I'm going to get into that also speaks towards that. God did meet our needs, and we are generous with that tithing, but at the same point in time, <coughs> excuse me, we never had the extra. We never had that storehouse. And I can't exactly explain everything, how it all worked. But everything I'm teaching right now, how God said he'll command his blessing on your store. I don't know how that $20 a paycheck and $100 a paycheck grew to the way that it grew. But God commanded a blessing on our storehouses. And he's still doing it to this day. Okay? And there's something there. Okay? And so what I want to go to now is, how do you save money and get out of debt? And like the pastor, this is not something for Sunday morning. Well, the word of God says it's different. And so I want to talk about some practical things right now, and I want to, because this storehouse is a very spiritual thing, and yet we're talking a very practical thing too. So I want to talk about something about utilizing what I call the Joseph principle. Well, Joseph's biblical, so we're going to use Joseph's story, okay? And it's also known as the twenty eighty rule. You know, many businesses, many, many. Successful businesses, when I'm talking about multi-million dollar, billion dollar business, do the 2080 rule. Okay. So the world has tapped into this. But it started with Joseph. And we'll pick up the story in Genesis chapter 41. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream. Remember, Joseph was still in prison at this time. Something he didn't do wrong. He actually did something very honorable. Okay. He ran away from Potiphar's wife who accused him of something he didn't do. She did it. He didn't do it. Okay? The dreams of, the dreams of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh had a dream. 
And they called for Joseph to come interpret the dream, and he's interpreting the dream. And it was actually two dreams. He said the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the, and the seven good heads are seven years. And the dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows, which came up after them, are seven years. And the seven empty heads, blighted by the east wind, are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh, and God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land. So there's going to be seven years of prosperity going on in the land of Egypt. you got to remember, Egypt was the world power at this time, okay? But after that seven years, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten. The seven good years will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will, be, will deplete the land. Okay? There's going to be seven good years, but the seven famine years are going to deplete all the seven good years. Okay? And they're going to be in dire need at that point. Okay? Verse 31. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. There's things that God will give you in dreams and visions, and when God gives it to you more than once, it's established in God's mind. There's things that God's given us dreams for this church, and He's given it to us more than once, it's established in the mind of God. There's dreams that God's given us our founders for Hannah's and brother, and our, He said it more than once, it's established in the mind of God. Okay? And I keep telling our family, it will happen, it will happen. Uh, uh, they echo the sin, it will happen because it is already established in the mind of God. Okay? So, verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one fifth of the produce of the land. In the, in the seven plentiful years, let's get one fifth. That's 20%. Of, of it, and let's put it into the storehouse of Egypt in seven plentiful years. Let's take the let's take in the seven plentiful years. Let's take twenty percent aside and let's put it in a storehouse, okay? And let them gather all the food those good years that are coming and store it up. That's the storehouse. And grain under the authority of Pharaoh. It's the law of the land. And let them keep food in the cities. They can all, the people can live off the 80%, but the nation is going to store 20% of it. They're preparing for a famine. Okay? And then that food shall be a reserve, that's a storehouse, for the land, for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. That's wisdom. And where did that wisdom come from? God. Where did that wisdom come from? Joseph. But God speaking and interpreting the dream to, 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 to Joseph. And that's why I call it the Joseph Principle. Okay, and other people call it that too. I didn't come up with that. And it's utilizing what we call the 2080 rule. We, we save our best 20% and we live off the remaining 80%. This is not supposed to be a financial class. But I'm laying the Bible. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about finances. The Bible has some practical wisdom. And the Bible has, no matter where you are in the world and what economy you live in, there's a, there's a wisdom here. It's called the 2080 rule. 
our mentor, one of our mentors and pastors, Lawson Purdue, has what he calls the 10-10-80 rule. Okay? And I recommend this even better. That means we tithe 10%, we sow it into the kingdom of God. It's seed. And with seed, we're expecting a harvest. And I'll talk more about tithing later. We save and invest 10%. And really, we're investing 10, 20%. We're saving 20%. It's just one's going to God's storehouse and one is going to our storehouse. We're splitting the storehouse. Okay? And then we're living off 80%. Okay? You can give more or set, you can give or tithe more than the 10%, but it has to come out of the 80. Okay? The 20% is seed. I'm going to talk about tithing later, but let me just say this. Tithing is not a bill. Tithing is not a debt. It's, it's a seed that you sow, not a debt that you owe. Okay? Tithing is a seed. Investing is a seed. Saving is a seed. And both are storehouses. Most successful businesses use the 2080 principles in their best business. They will invest 20% and they will do business off the 80. There might be some variations of that, but this is a very powerful principle. But where did this principle come from? God, Joseph. And it's biblical. Budgeting is wisdom. Saving is wisdom. Stewardship, because what they were going to do for seven good years, is called stewardship. And by having good stewardship, the famine did not hurt them. They were actually helping other nations. Joseph's entire family, what we call the patriarchs, moved to Egypt. And that's where they lived in Goshen during those years. Okay. Sowing is a biblical principle. Stewardship is a biblical principle. Investing, storing a storehouse is a biblical principle. Okay? So if you're, if you're mocking anything I'm saying, you're just mocking God. And that, I'm okay with that. Okay? Not for you, I'm not okay with that. But I'm, you know, people not might agree with that. But I'm going with God. Okay? Again, Joseph said, let's collect one-fifth, that's 20% of the produce in the land of Egypt in the principal years. And let's store it up so that we have a reserve for the land. Okay? Faith is a journey. This life, we're in a journey of life. And as I teach in the whole other teaching, the miracle is in the journey. God gives us the power to get wealth to establish his covenant. And we talked about this verse in length in times past. But this 20, this Joseph principle is a power to get wealth. God gave them plenty. Not only did they have to store up the, 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 in the seven good years what they were normally giving, getting, God was giving them extra so that they were able to take one-fifth. So that 20% that was even more than what they normally were giving on a normal basis. And he goes on to say that he will command a blessing on the storehouses. When we have a storehouse, God will command his blessing on that. And I know people don't like me talking about prosperity or any pastor, whatever, but this is biblical. What part of God's word do you have a problem with? And again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be against your face. But some people don't like prosperity. But this is biblical. 
Okay? This is not Daveology. This is the theology. Okay? And he goes on to say that he will always want you to have sufficiency in all things that you may have abundance in every good work. He says that he will supply and multiply the seed you have sowed. There's so much I, I hope you're gleaning from this from not only a spiritual point of view, but also a very practical point of view. Okay? There's wisdom here. And the God of all wisdom has given wisdom to someone called Joseph, who was a very noble, godly man that saved the whole nation of Egypt as well as any other nations, including Israel. Because of this wisdom. Sometimes we can still budget. Uh, now I switch gears. Sometimes we can still budget like Joseph, and we still find ourselves in a shortfall. How many of you, I mean, there's times where Sherry have done well with our finances, we, we budgeted well. But things happen, things happen in the world, famines come, and we still find ourselves in a shortfall. God's faithful. But how many of you know this whole message is about trusting God, not us, and not the economy? Sometimes we've made mistakes. Okay? Some of these shortfalls are because of our wrongdoing. Sometimes they're not. And I know we're not the only ones who have made mistakes from time to time. Okay? Sometimes we make wrong moves. Okay? Sometimes we didn't we just made a wrong turn. But sometimes we've done everything right and something still went wrong. Okay? But I believe when we find ourselves in a shortfall, when we done and been faithful as good stewards, remember, we're stewards. That means if we're stewards. It's not our problem, it's God's problem. Am I making sense? And when we've been faithful, what God has given to us, and we still come up short, guess what? Me and God, we're having a meeting. It's called prayer. Not to complain, but he said we can come boldly to his throne of grace and find mercy in our time of need. He is faithful. He is faithful. And we can come to God, and I'm not going over time here for a moment, but bear with me. I believe we can be, we can believe God for specific amounts of money when we need it. Right now, we need a specific amount of money to, to get Hannah's and brother off the ground, and that's three thirty-three thousand dollars I'm believing God for that. And, and I, didn't, I didn't teach this message to, to advertise, but you can simply go to our website and you can give to Hannah's and brother on our website. It's there. Okay. But there's things that visions we have for this church. Or there's visions we have for our business. And there's areas where in our own finances we are praying and believing God for specific, specific amounts of money so that we can do what God's calls to do. But you too, you have bills you need to pay. You have things and where you seem to we can ask and believe God for specific specific amounts of money. I'm going to come back to this next week and we will look at this some more. But my point I'm trying to get to you folks is God is our source and God is our supply. Do you have a need? Do you need a miracle? Then you can ask God. Yes, we need to be wise in our finances and we need to be wise in our, excuse me, 
our stewardship and with storehouses. But some of you need a, need a miracle, have a need to get this jump started. Next week I'm going to come back here and do you have compassion to meet a need? I'm going to come back and I'm going to be talking about the compassion of God and how it relates to prosperity and how it relates to meeting people's needs next week. Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle to get this thing going, to get out of debt, to get out of the hole? That we have a God of miracles. And I'm going to teach next week also on how to get a miracle. Okay? Do you need a miracle? Do you need Jesus? You know, Jesus, and I'm going to close with these notes. How I many you know Jesus was a good steward? He was our master, he was our teacher, but he needed a miracle to feed the multitudes twice. Remember I said, God can't bless your need, he can bless what you have. He was given a boy's lunch with loaves and fish. He took what God gave him through a boy, and he blessed it and gave thanks. And he had a miracle to feed the multitudes with baskets left over. You need a miracle? Well, there's a widow. I got him. Jesus healed him. I'm going to teach us about this with the compassion of God next week. Well, he came across people all the time who needed healings. Not just with finances, but other needs. Because they had a physical need, they couldn't go, go to work and, and, and supply for themselves and, and build a storehouse. God, Jesus had compassion. And he met their needs. Elijah ran to a widow and her son who needed a miracle. And he said, you give me your last meal. <laughs> That sounds selfish. That was a tithe. That was a seed being sown. And God took care of her for the next three years. Elisha, his, Elijah's successor, came, came into a widow too. A single mom, both of these single moms. Something we're trying to minister with too in Hannah's umbrella and beyond other people too. Not just single moms. And he told her, Go grab a jar from all your neighbors, because all she had was oil. The other widow, Elijah, had at least oil and flour. This widow only had oil. That's all she had. Just like the boy's lunch. All she had was oil. That's all she needed. Because Elijah said, go borrow a jar from all your neighbors. And you know the story, most of you do, how that oil multiplied to pay off her debts. And so her and her son could live off the increase. Need a miracle? God can take the oil you have. God can take one boy's lunch. God can take what you have to meet your need so that you, once you get that oil and you multiply that oil and sell that oil, you can then be good stewards of the increase. Elijah had a need and God told him to go to a place called there. And God sent ravens to come and breed him food. If God needs to, he'll send you ravens. If God needs you, he'll send you fish. Because we have several fish stories from Peter, which I'll hopefully get to next week as well, where Peter, he'd been fishing all night. Fishing was his vocation. And he caught nothing. But Jesus stepped into the butt of his lives and said, let down your net. Launch out to the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And he caught the biggest fish load he ever had that the nets began to break and the boats began to sink. That's prosperity. But Peter made a big mistake one night before the cock crowed. 
And he denied Christ three times. And Christ was crucified. He rose again. But Peter still, you know, he, he messed up big time. And so he went back to what he normally did, and that was fish. And again, Peter, Jesus shows up on the night when Peter got nothing. And Jesus says, launch your nets on the other side of the boat and for a catch. And we have the fish story of Peter catching again another net-breaking boat sinking load of fish. You need a miracle? Well, we serve a God of miracles. And I'm going to be teaching next week about how to get a miracle. And I'm going to be teaching about the compassion of God and how it relates to stewardship, the financial stewardship. But I'm also going to be taking a break just for one week just on this because I feel like God put this on my heart to teach on this. Okay? Hopefully I'm making sense. I'm trying to go fast here because I'm over time. But we have a God of miracles. There's some practical things we need to do to get out of debt if that needs to be, to build a storehouse, to be good stewards. But sometimes even when we've done all that we know to do, that God's given us the grace to do, we need a miracle. Don't Limit God. Because God is, is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is in the boat of your lives. And Jesus is here. And he is here to give you the power to get well. That he may establish his covenant. He is here to command a blessing on your storehouse. He is here that you may always have all sufficiency in all things. May have abundance for every good work. He's here who gives his rice seed to the sower. He is here to supply and multiply the seed you have sown. God is your source. God is your supply. Do you have a dream? Like our dream with Hannah's umbrella? Do you have a dream? Like our dream with our business and our dream with this ministry? Do you have a dream? Well, God gave you that dream. And if you don't have a dream, I dare you to dream again. Because when, it, when you dream, God will give you a dream that you can't do. You have to trust God. If the dream you have is something you can do, I, when I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I don't mean to pop your bu bubble. But more likely it's not from God because God's dreams will be big. God's dreams will be elaborate. God's dreams will be very, uh, there's a word I'm looking for, but it'll be something that you can't do. It will be a dream that the only way you're going to be able to do that is God has to do it. You're going to need some miracles along the way. You're going to need some good stewardship along the way. You're going to need some faithfulness along the way. But God can. And God wants to. And he has a destiny for you. Okay? But you need to dream and you need to go forward with that dream. You need to do what God's called you to do because he wants to give you the sufficiency that you always have sufficiency and you always have the abundance to do every good work that he's called you to do. But you're going to have to trust God. And you're going to have to be a good steward. And you're going to need to ask him for miracles from time to time. Maybe you even get started. Because this dream, it will take God. And we serve the God of miracles. Jesus can take a boy's lunch and feed the multitudes twice. Jesus can take the net that you have, the boat that you have, and get you such a net breaking, boat sinking catch of fish that will change your life forever.
God can take what, the little oil that you have and he can multiply it to pay off your debts so that you can live off the increase. God can call you to a place called there in your dream and send the ravens to bring you the, the food, the resource, the provision that you need. Not only to, not just to survive, but to do what God calls you to do. Whatever you need, you can trust God. Book, everything I'm talking about this morning is all about prosperity. It's about the benefits of our salvation. It's about walking in the blessing of God. It's about being God's covenant people. It's about Him establishing His covenant in the earth. We're talking about such a great salvation. <coughs> I'm out of time. I'm over time. I hope this was a blessing to you. And I pray for you always that you do what God's called you to do and that you be who God's called you to be. God bless you.